Hanging on. Talk Recorded live. Hello, everybody. This is Larry Phillips. And uh, if you got your announcements, and this will be posted on Sermon Audio later on. And just to kind of bring everybody up, up to speed, uh, I had done... About four days, four or five days ago, I'd done a message on the love of Christ after waking up real early in the morning, and this was really uh, on my mind, and and really it was staggering when I went in and did a word study on this. And, you know, there's the mainstream churches today are, you know, touting that God loves you and so do I, and a universal love for all mankind, and tonight we're going to kind of get into uh, the specific, particular love of Christ for His people. Now, I'm going to just point out some scriptures, and then I've got Chris Dernan. Chris, uh, welcome aboard tonight. Thank you, Larry. It's my pleasure. Yeah, I'm glad to have Brother Chris with us. Uh, we've we've talked over these subjects many, many. Uh, times and it's been a blessing to uh, have the fellowship with Chris around these things. Now, a lot of people aren't aware of it, but in Genesis, um, you know, we start with the aspect of love all the way through Revelation, <laughs> you know. And, uh, you know, when, when we talk about love, maybe we ought to define the term, okay, uh, you can go to Webster's Dictionary, and it'll say things like uh, affection, highly esteeming another, um, having equal value to oneself, all kind of interesting things about love. But um, there's different kinds of love. Um, and tonight we're going to talk about a concept called unconditional love. You know, a lot of times love is conditioned on how the other party treats us, uh, what our motives are for esteeming someone else, might sometimes our motives might not be the as pure as the driven snow, as it were, to speak. So, um, but you know, one of the things that uh, uh, we are commanded as God's people, we are commanded to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our might. And we're to we also command to love our neighbor as ourselves. Okay. Now in Deuteronomy seven seven, it's really interesting because God sets forth um, to you know to his people. Uh, he's speaking, of course, uh, through Moses, and he says, "The Lord did not set his love upon you, nor choose you." because you were more in number than any people, for you were the fewest of all people, but because the Lord loved you, okay? Because the Lord loved you. Okay, now, that is phenomenal, because what that's saying is we didn't have anything to do with God loving us. Uh, And God had everything to do with choosing out for himself a people that he would love. Uh, Chris, you want to talk about that a little bit uh, further? Well, I can say that the Lord himself uh, put his love upon Israel, you know, not because they were the biggest or best, as 
commodity or economics, you know, or whatever. Back in those days, he, he put his love on the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you know, and that was manifest through his great deliverance out of the Dead Sea and uh, put to naught uh, the great army of Egypt, much to their chagrin. Well, obviously, God didn't love Egypt, but he loved Israel. But that is a wonderful uh, uh, type or shadow of God's love in regard to whom the sovereign Lord loves. If he's sovereign, he can love whoever he wants. And, you know, and I, I hate to spill over onto the Arminian free will point of view or the, or the, or the universalist that says that God loves everybody. Well, quite the contrary. If God loved everybody, you would see a world uh, that would be heaven, and and Jesus would not have needed to come. So I'll just open up with that. I mean, that's a that in itself is a plethora of a of a, of a, of a can of worms. I just opened. Well, you know, and also the interesting thing about this love of God, you know, I was mentioning in the last broadcast on this subject, there's a song out there that says, Oh, love of God, how rich, how pure, how measureless and and strong, it shall forevermore endure, the saints and angels uh, song. Um, but here's the thing. In the Psalms, and, and the Psalms is a great place to start on the subject of love, you know, he he says in the 31st Psalm, O love the Lord, all ye his saints, for the Lord preserveth the faithful. And we know <laughs> that he preserves the faithful because he's the one that also gives them the faith. Okay? He's the author of their faith. In other words, he gives us the faith to believe the gospel. And so that shows us that he is... Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end of our faith. And he says here uh, in Psalm 40, verse 16, Let all those that seek thee rejoice and be glad in thee. Let such as love thy salvation say continually, The Lord be magnified. The Lord be magnified. Now, what Chris was saying there is that we're making a distinction between those who are saying that they made a decision for Christ and the ones that say, God's the one that chose me, and I give him all the glory in all things, and I rejoice in that, and I rejoice in his salvation, and the, the Lord be magnified in that. Go ahead, Chris. Well, you know, uh, the good Lord magnified his love upon his elect. Now, that's another can of worms that people are not used to, even though it's in the Bible. If people just would we'll just crack that Bible open, preferably the King James Version, because the other versions are corrupted versions. And, uh, oh, Satan loves that, you know. I'll stick them with an NIV, and you'll get anti-love out of that. When you really break it down, you know, the writers of, of, of certain corrupted versions had an ulterior motive. But, but getting back to your point, uh, 
God set his love upon whoever he wanted to. But what the first table of the law that Moses brought down from Sinai uh, dealt with with God's relationship with man or man's love for God or or God's love for man and the, whereas the second table is is really uh, a man's love for his brother or neighbor and vice versa so knowing that we have a guideline now we know that Christ through his love came and died for the sins of many, not everyone, but many. And he said, Christ set his love upon us, that we, that we, have, we have something to, to trust in, in that, that we that's don't right. have that's to, yeah, we don't have anything to, there's nothing to fail, there's nothing faulty about the love that actually love is given to us, the ability to love, you know, there's two types of love. There's phileo and there's uh, agape. And uh, this isn't new to our hearers, to, to the most, I, I would gather. Uh, uh, but agape is, is, is pure, perfect love on the plane, on God's level. And I don't think we can attain that. Uh, save praying to our dear Savior with a with a good saved heart. Well, and now, the other the other was, thing the other thing that we have to constantly uh, affirm, okay, is the fact that God is the one that is the initiator in this love. In the forty seventh Psalm, the fourth verse, it says, "He shall choose our inheritance for us." The excellency of Jacob, whom he loved, Selah, and we've often talked about this on this in you know on sermon audio before on our our, our broadcast, but you know the mainstream Christian world, and I use that term Christian in a in a not in a a loving way. In other words, the the mainstream world that says they're Christian say just the opposite. They see that they chose out their own inheritance by making a decision for Christ, and here it says, He shall choose our inheritance out for us, the excellency of Jacob, whom he loved. You know, and so if we go down to the 69th Psalm, we see this same theme running through here. He says, The seed also of his servants shall inherit it, and they that love his name shall dwell therein. Where did where did the seed of his servants get the get the desire to love the name of the Lord? Where did they get this desire? We see in the 70th Psalm, the fourth verse, Let all those that seek thee rejoice and be glad in thee, and let such as love thy salvation say continually, Let God be magnified. Let God be magnified. Amen, brother. And you know where they got it? They got it from from the heart of all love, and that's Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. That's where it initiated from. That's where its roots are seated in Christ, who gave it all for his elect, who didn't really need to come here. 
but he did need to come here to to fulfill you know from our point of view you know why would he do this for us because he loved us he loved those he came and died for and and no one can argue that fact that's just the reality of it but it 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 spans time and space to the point where we're awestruck by the love of God. When you told me that we were going to talk about the love of God, I thought I was overwhelmed. I mean, where do we begin? And and there is no ending. And we'll see that there is no ending to God's love when we're in glory with our dear Lord and Savior. And, you know, I hasn't heard. I hasn't seen here is not heard, you know, uh, all the wonderful things that Jesus has prepared for us. Remember, Jesus lived a life, a sinless life, and all he offered was love to really everyone. But That's he right. knew who was That's right. He, he, he knew, knew who were his. Yeah, he knew who were his, and the great thing about this is, you know, there's a lot of people out there that, you know, they they uh, think on these things. And, you know, we look at our lives and we remember those days when um, God called us, when he called us. Uh, he called us out of sin and sorrow. He called us from death to life. And how before he did that, we hated his we hated his word and we didn't want anything to do with it. And then when he called us, then we found out that we began to love his word. We loved it. In Psalm 119, 140, thy word is very pure, therefore thy servant loveth it. You know, and he says also in uh, 119, 159, Consider how I love thy precepts. Quicken me, O Lord, according to thy loving kindness. Now, that's interesting because we are, you know, when we think about how that we were quickened, you know, there was a lot of things that happened as a result of that quickening, okay? One of the first, th- one of the first things that happened is we... We began to love his precepts, and the only reason we did it was because of the mercy and the loving kindness of the Lord, Amen. his unconditional election, you know. And I've often thought about this, you know, people, you know, in the Armenian camp, they say, well, you can you can fall from grace, you can, once you trust in Christ and and once Christ has called you and so on, you can, you can backslide and you can you can be forever eternally lost. No. Or lose your salvation. As yeah. In the yeah. Psalm, Psalm 145.20 it says, The Lord preserveth all them that love him. The Lord preserveth all them that love him. And so if he loved us, you know, I, I got a, uh, I thought it was really interesting. I was, I heard uh, an Arminian one time say, "Well, you know, uh, God God starts the process, and 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 we 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 cast a deciding vote and all this stuff." And this pro- oh, oh, and and I heard I heard a person tell this person, "You know what? When it says, for God so loved the world that whosoever believeth on Him shall not perish, but have 
everlasting life, not temporary life, everlasting life. And, you know, what Christ said himself in John 6 and 10 and 8 and 14, he said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. And he also said, all the Father have given me will come to me, and all that come to me I will in no wise cast out. And no man can pluck them out of my Father's, out of my hand, and no man can pluck them out of my Father's hand. So this love is an everlasting love. It's not a temporary love. It's not a temporary love. And, you know... <laughs> That gives me so much comfort. It gives me so much comfort because if I if I was to rely upon my own good works, which I don't have any, but if I was to put any merit in any works of myself, I would be of all men most miserable because there's nothing good in me, in the creature, in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. But Christ, we have the imputed righteousness. This is why he came... And why don't you touch on that a little bit, the imputed righteousness of Christ, Chris? Well, brother, all I can say is that, as you were saying, we have nothing to offer. Yet he still loves us, and the imputed righteousness is like Jesus bore on that cross Chris and Larry's sins, because Jesus was, is sinless, always was, always will be. Whereas you and I are creatures of habit, sinners, you know, of the first degree. But Jesus took upon our sins and imputed his righteousness to us in a substitutionary fashion. It's like uh, he paid our bill, and now we're not stuck with this bill that we've accrued over time. And not only did he pay it, but he even put, if you were to go to a banker and you thought you owed a million dollars and somebody paid your bill and you went ahead and, and had to just say to the banker, I don't have a red cent to my name. And he goes, well, let's open the books up here. And we open the books up and he says, well, you know what? You don't owe anything. And now you're just, you're just flabbergasted. But, and you start to leave, and he says, oh, hey, one more thing, by the way. Uh, you've got a million dollars to the good. And that's how I equate the substitutionary fulfillment of Christ's love towards us. While we are yet sinners, he died for the ungodly, i.e. me and you and everybody else that, that can set pride away for just an instance, you know, because it's always coming at us, and, and admit that Christ is God to the point where he paid our bill and gave us and gave us something positive to the good side. So we're not in the hole, we're we're actually in the we're in the black. We're not in the red. That's right, and, and you know that's that's the whole that's the whole biblical doctrine of total depravity and unconditional election. And we're going to get into particular redemption and irresistible grace and final perseverance before we 
we've already talked about perseverance a little bit, but you know, in Song of Solomon, Song of Solomon is a is a phenomenal uh, demonstration of the love of Christ for the for His oh, bride. Amen. Now, this is this is speaking about, of course, uh, a man his love for his bride, but and 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 the groom and so on. But here, I want to read this Song of Solomon two four. It says, "He brought me to the banqueting house, and his banner over me was love." What a beautiful, beautiful explanation of what Christ did for his people. He brought us to the banqueting house, and his banner over us was love. Christ came in the world to to save his people from their sins. It said, he didn't come to call the righteous, but the sinner to repentance. And the only way we can repent... The only way we can be converted, the only way we can believe, the only way we can turn to Christ is if he brings us to the banqueting house and his banner over us is love. Okay? And Christ did that through the shed blood of his son, Jesus Christ. And he oh, says, yeah. he, he then says in, 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 in Song of Solomon 2.10, he says, My beloved spake and said unto me, Rise up, my love my fair one, and come away. See, this is what Christ did for us. And like he spoke to Lazarus while he was yet dead in the tomb. He'd been dead in the... He was stunk. And he, he said... Stunk four days. Yeah. Yes. Lazarus, come forth. And then he said, loose him and let him go. Unbind his grave clothes. And let, he unbound all of his all of his people. He unbound their grave clothes he loosed us and let us go, gave us liberty in Christ. We no longer serve the law of sin and death. And so Brother, then he, he kind of finishes, uh, I'm going to finish this here. He says, arise, my love, my fair one, and come away. And then he says in Psalm, Song of Solomon 2.16, my beloved is mine and I am his. He feedeth among the lilies. You know, I sought whom my soul loveth. I sought him. And see, this is what happens to those that see Christ as their beloved, that see Christ as their um, their only hope, like Peter oh, said. Amen. Yeah, amen. Peter said, he, Christ said to Peter, you know, and to the disciples, will you all go away also? And Peter said, we're... Where else can we go? Thou hast the the words of... Yeah, that's the words of eternal life. Now, what I want Chris to do is um, I want him to... uh, uh, I don't know if you have your Bible there, Chris, handy or not. Uh, But I I would like... I'm in the Song of Solomon. Yeah. Well, what I'd like for you to do, if you would, um, I want to go to... uh, um, I want to go to Song of Solomon 8, verse 7. Uh, because, And I want you to give your sort of your rendition of that verse. I'll read it, and then you can reread it. Many words, well, let, many, many I'm words. I'm sorry, excuse me. Yeah. I just wanted to make a comment. Oh. You know, people look at the Song of Solomon, or the Song of, the Psalm of Songs, it's also referred to as, and people say, this is a hard book. I don't understand it. You know why? 
they don't understand it? Because they don't understand that it's predicated on God's love. Amen. Amen. That is so. But, but, that is so true. And all he says, make haste. I'm in. Uh, I'm in. I'm sorry. I'm in verse seven. Many many waters cannot quench love. Neither can the floods drown it. If a man would give all the substance of his house for love, it would utterly be contempt. And, you know, and I'm going to just make a couple comments and have Chris uh, add here his thoughts. But this is exactly what happened to me. Um, when I, when, when the Holy Spirit showed me how much I was in need of a Savior, and then I found myself reading the scriptures that said, Come unto me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You know, cast your cares upon me, for he careth for you. When I, when I read scriptures that said, All the Father have given me will come to me, and all that come to me I will in no wise cast out. You know, <laughs> there was a time when I would have given everything I had if I thought that that would bring me and my soul peace of mind. But what happened for me is the Lord showed me his love. And when he shows us his love for us personally, you know, what did the psalmist say? He said, the Lord is my shepherd. He didn't say, I hope the Lord is my shepherd. He said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. That's irresistible grace. He maketh oh, me absolutely. to lie He leadeth yes. me beside He drags me. the subject, <laughs> whether yeah. it be you, me, or, 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 or the guy down the street. You know, if, if the Lord has set his affection, which was, you know, uh, earmarked from before the foundation of the world, uh, that man has no way to resist. I guess a better example would be Jonah. Jonah yeah. tried to resist the love of God and tried to tried to escape, but the Lord dragged him. You know, four times in John six, it says, "And my Father will will draw him or her." You know. And actually, that word is dragged. <laughs> so we really have no, we really don't have a, uh, we don't have a, we can't stake a uh, a case in why we don't want to go. We remember the parable of, well, I've got to tend to my oxen, or I've, I just bought a field, and I, I've got to go search, I've got to go see it. These are all lame excuses to dissuade the love of God. It was it was imparted to them, but they rejected it. Now, man does have an ability to reject himself, but you can't reject God. Right, and and the, the interesting thing about this irresistible grace, back to Song of Solomon eight seven, it says, "Many waters cannot quench love." In other words, neither can the floods drown it. In other words, when Christ sets His love upon us uh like the psalmist david said you know he maketh me uh 
to lie down in green pastures. I was thinking when I read that one time about the Apostle Paul, him throwing Paul off his horse down on the ground, and Paul said, Lord, and he hears this from above, you know, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And Saul, Saul of Tarsus says, uh, "Who art thou, Lord? <laughs> what must I? What shall I? What do I? What, what should I do?" And he says, "Get up! It will be told thee what thou must do." Yes. And so this is exactly what we're talking about when we talk about the love of Christ. Christ is the one that does all the work. Christ is Amen. the one that does it all. It, he is the first. Isn't it He's good because he he does it perfectly. We would mess it up. If it was left in our hands, oh, that's so true. That is so Jesus true. Jesus does does the the love aspect beautifully and perfectly. That's uh, pleasing to the Father, whereas we we have no hand in it, and it's good we don't, because we just again mess mess it up. Everything we do, we everything we put our hands to, and we'll look at the world the way it is. You know, you remember that song out of the 60s, early 60s. What the world needs now is love, love, love. Or as you so eloquently put it, uh, uh, beetle mentality. You know, <laughs> all you need is love. Yeah. Well, what kind of love are they talking about? They're talking about lust. That's you know? right. That's right. And, and, and you know, and, that, and, is and, a, that is a really good uh, segue into where I was going to go with this because, you know, this this is really interesting. In the 38th chapter of Isaiah, the 17th verse, it says, Behold, for peace I had great bitterness, but thou hast in love to my soul delivered it from the pit of corruption, for thou hast cast all my sins behind thy back. <laughs> I mean, what a... Where, 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 where did you go in Isaiah? Isaiah 38, Thir- verse, verse 38. 17. Verse 17. Why don't you read that for Thank us again, Chris, and make a comment I about could, it. I could, let me get there. Yeah. 38, 7? 17. 17. May I? Yes. That, that's so germane. Yes. To, to what, what we're talking about here. Uh, 38, 17... Uh, behold, for peace I have, I had great bitterness, but thou hast in love, in love, to my soul, delivered it from the pit of corruption, for thou hast cast all my sins behind God's back, or east is from the west. How far is that? It's indefinite. <laughs> And it goes on forever, and you, they'll never, they'll never come twain, except for their origin. That origin is sin, and that uh, sin is man's predicament. Absolutely. But, but I don't know. This is, I don't think this is in the Bible. You correct me. Uh, you've probably heard this adage that that. Uh, it's generally referring to something that's done in love. And and you may hear someone say, well, that in itself will cover a multitude of sins. Now, I don't know if that's biblical or not. 
but I don't, I can't say dogmatically that it is, but I do get, I do get the reference frame from what's to be gleaned from that. And it, it's a good, it's a good wives tale or whatever, as it were, because it's consistent with the love of God. Well, it does but, tell it does tell us in the Bible that love covers a multitude of sins, and, and of course, okay, so you good. you have to you have to look at that in context. And again, it's speaking of, uh, you know, it's speaking in that context, and we can go look at that a little bit if we have time. But it's speaking of brothers in Christ that overlook, you know, faults of their brethren and not trying to point out every little indiscreety within their brother. It, it's, yeah, it's those showing, idiosyncrasies will eat you alive. Yes, it's showing that we should show charity. Now, I want to keep on our theme here of Christ's love. In Jeremiah thirty-one three, you know Jeremiah is saying, "The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee." Now, a lot of people, we've talked about this, Chris and I have talked about this before, but when God is talking about everlasting love, he's not just talking about eternal future. He's talking about eternal past. Notice, oh, yeah. here, notice how he starts out this. This starts out here. He says, the Lord hath appeared of old unto me. Appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Chris, go ahead. Well, that 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 itself, and there's so much. You know, you know, the Bible the Bible was written to foster the love of God or the hatred of God, you know, in people that read it. Yes. They can either come away from it positively or negatively, you know, depending on whether God wants to drag them or if they're not one of his sheep, you know. Right. I, I would love it if everyone was one of God's sheep. But the fact is that not everyone is. And, uh, again, we're no better than anybody else. It's just that God is somehow, you know, in his way, given us keys to the kingdom, as it were, and, and given us an understanding of the love he has for us, because he's made us aware of what great cost that when Jesus stretched out his hands and they unfurled his, his, his fingers to drive the stakes in his wrist or, or what, you know, just as any other man would, would fight this you know, this crucifixion. But the love of God was constrained. The love of the Father was constrained from Jesus, who was, at that point in time, was minus uh, the love of the Father, because God cannot love sin, and Jesus carried the sin of many. Now, after the reconciliation, and when Jesus said, it is finished, you know, Jesus said, no man takes my life, I give it up freely. And he did that for the likes of of you and me and other brethren and other I, I want to also, yeah, I, I also want to say that 
there's the aspect of the of God's love that is absolutely full of joy, full of joy. You know, there's a lot of people that have this idea that God is this, you know, goes around with a long face all the time, and and he's never, you know, he's not a God of joy. And it's just well, I not. truly believe he 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 does have a sense of humor. <laughs> and you know, and, let's look and, at let's let's look at scripture. Let's go to scripture. Zephaniah three seventeen. He says, okay. "The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. You know, the Lord God sings." That's what it says. He sings. Well, the Lord I bet thy he God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. You know, I had a guy say one time to That's me. Beautiful. Goes, I had That's a guy so- say to me one time. I used to have this concept that God was all, you know, just just stoic and 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 not happy and just doing his thing. You know. And this fellow said to me, you know, you 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 live like the sad you see. You know why they call them sad you see? Because they were always sad, you see. Sad. <laughs> yes, you see. <laughs> but God well, is a, well, you God. know, the sad you see has no has no hope for they just figure when they pass, that's it. But oh, I've got news for them. Uh, they're going to wake up to everlasting grief or everlasting joy, you know? And may, maybe I've dwelt on the on the uh, on the on the uh, on the other side of love far too long. I'd, I'd much rather exhibit and share the love of Christ. Amen. You know, and I, I think most people would look at the Bible and say, "Well, the love of Christ is evident in, in regard to what they know," which is. Generally, John three sixteen, and you brought that verse up earlier. But that verse is so beautiful in itself. But there are there are surrounding verses that deal with God's love, and if we miss the context of how three sixteen was built, and the verses that surround that verse, we'll never understand. We'll never understand the love of God. You know in so much as that he gave his own son, that whosoever would ever believe. Now, there's joy in belief. If you're, if you're one of those that God's given you the ability to believe, and that's, that's the ability to believe. Most people left to themselves would never, ever believe this. They, they'd go so far as heresy, you know, call it that. But, but the fact is, uh, they don't even crack their Bible open. It's generally a, a corrupted version, except for, you know, the King James will will actually lighten the path of, of God's love far better than these corrupt other versions that are corrupted. But, but talking about God's love, look at the love. I mean, we could start in, 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 in the very beginning, you know, uh, when he created Adam and Eve and the love he had for them, he set his love upon the first human beings that ever walked this earth. And 
he, you know, to, to, to the extreme, everything grew for them, everything. You know, I'm just, I'm just it's supposition, but I know that Garden of Eden was, was plenteous and, and uh, was of great value. And it was, you ever had a lower 40 that just never stopped yielding the fruit into your basket. And uh, I think that's what Christ reiterated when he multiplied the loaves and the fishes to feed the, to feed the throngs of people. But God's love is really underestimated. It's way beyond my scope of understanding what real love is. Most people go through their whole life and they never even get an inkling as to what God's love, what's contained in his love. And you know, also that that's and, another that's another probably a piece that we need to cover in in part three of this love, because there is a transition that takes place when God loves us, then we automatically have love for the brethren. In other words, we cannot love. Of course, Christ said this that we cannot love Him if we don't love the brethren. You know. In John twelve forty three, it says they love the praise of men more than the praise of God. But if we if we remember what he said in John thirteen, that he was at the Passover, and it said Jesus knew that his hour was come that he should depart out of the world unto the Father. And then it says something really interesting: having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. Okay. And if you think of even when they're at the Passover, there's certain things there that that just just kind of just grab me. It says in 13:23, well, the the whole chapter of John 13, there was leaning oh, so on cool. there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. We know that was John. But as he goes on through here, he says, A new commandment I give, give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also Yay. love one another. Yay. And, you know, sometimes we're misunderstood in the way we may, you know, show this love in a lot of different ways. But he says, by this Shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have love one to another? You love you know. for one another, yeah. And, you know, uh, you know, in, in Romans eight eight thirty eight, uh, I'm sorry, eight thirty five, it says, "Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or weakness, or peril, or sword? For as it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long." We are counted as sheep, and we are sheep, for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. So you've got love at the beginning of this verse. This verse is so full. Romans 8, 35 through 89. And, uh, Absolutely. You know, it. There, this, this aspect of love, and Chris and I were talking about this before we decide to talk about this this subject is really truly inexhaustible it is inexhaustible it says uh, in John 16:27 you know 
The Father himself loveth you because ye have loved me and have believed that I came out from God. But, you know, it's interesting because when we look at this, uh, this love, John fifteen thirteen. think about this, and I know we've heard this before, but this is the personification that defines unconditional love. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. But then it goes on to say, but God, when we were yet sinners, Christ loved us. When we were yet sinners, we weren't even his friends. He loved us when we did not love him and we were unlovable. And that is unconditional love because... Well, brother... There was we no merit been, in us. There was nothing lovely about us. We could have been right there where they hailed Jesus coming in uh, on the donkey saying, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest and, and hallelujah, you know, Amen. our Messiah's come. And uh, the fact is he, you know, he, uh, you know, the antithesis, you know, antithetical to that is very quickly they turned on our Lord because he didn't vanquish the Romans, though he could have called down twelve legions of angels to, to in order at any point, but he didn't do that. But that's what they wanted, and and so the opposite of. You know, they thought they loved our Lord at that point because they had something to gain. It was, it was, it was a uh, tit for tat. It was something. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I can get something out of this. So it was, it was selfish in scope. You know, but yeah, but these and, are the, and the, the same the, group. The validation. The same group for the first, for the most part. That, that a couple of days later. Uh, they turned their hallelujahs to crucify him. Absolutely. And the validation for that scripture, of course, is... Well, in they Rome. never really loved. They really nearly loved our Lord, you know, because lo- love is patient and kind, and we could go into all of that, with, with, what Paul iterates in, uh, in, in the Paulian letters, you know, in the New Testament. You know, it's patient and kind and forgiving and all these good, good qualities, you know, but but it's so lacking in this world today that, uh, again, like you said, where are we to go? Well, we can only go in prayer to the King of Kings, and that, that would be Christ Jesus. There, For there's, he loved us with an everlasting love. Yeah. That, there's a couple, that, three verses that can validate what we're saying here, and I always like to to do that. Romans 5, 5 is what we're discussing. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. It's given unto us. In other words, this love is a gift. And we we are told in Ephesians 2, 8 that it is not, you know, this is not, this gift, it is of, of faith. And also, he says, that not of works, lest any man should boast. But the thing that I want to point out here is in 
this uh, Romans 5, 8, God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for us. Now, the other thing that's so interesting is the fact that nothing, absolutely nothing, can separate us from the love of God. When we go back to that Romans 8 again, he asks that question. He says in Romans 8.35, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Nay, in all these things we are more, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. He doesn't say, you know, I hope I'm one of his. He doesn't say, you know, uh, I might be one of God's elect. No, he says, in all, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature. There's a lot of people out there will try to put doubts in people's mind about, you know, their faith in Christ and all this. No, any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing shall separate us. Yay. Yeah, and, and I'm glad you, you stressed this, because it's emphatic. Emphatic. The love of Christ is emphatic all throughout. It has no nowhere to waver. It never wavers. Whereas we as humans, we waver. That's right. Continually. That's right. And in we are in, we are in a warfare. And you know, uh, I was talking to a dear oh, brother yeah. today, and he said he he said, "What about that song that do I love him or do I not?" In other words, we have questions of our assurance of our our faith and our salvation. Every one of God's little children goes through that. But why is this? Why does Paul say this? What is his purpose for reminding us that that? God is victorious in these things. You know, he says, he he begins by saying he says uh we know that all things work together for good of them that love God, do them are called according to his purpose. And then Romans goes, eight twenty eight. Yeah, yes. and then he goes right into this who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And he goes through this whole plethora of things that can't separate us and he says right. in all these things we are more than Conquers through him Conquerors. that loves and nothing can, brother. Nothing can separate us. See, that's something that we, you know, the Arminian will tell us that well, you can't know for sure that you're in Christ. Well, we just trust Christ for that. You now, know, there's certain, there's some people out there that say that, you know, they'll say just the opposite. They'll say all the Arminians think they're going to heaven because of the decision they made. They made that decision back one time, and therefore they. They're settled in that. But see, my point is this. Now that's love of self, though. Paul, Yes, Paul said we are, he said that, that I thank God through, the, through Jesus Christ who gives us the victory. I'm going to go look that scripture. I thank God through Jesus Christ who gives us the victory. You know, we are more than conquerors through him who gave himself for us. And so if he's thanking God, okay, that we are more than victors through Jesus Christ, then what's wrong with us proclaiming that he's done this for us? 
He says if I he well, says if nothing. you he says if you nothing. well there's a lot of people that say I could never say I'm one of God's elect. I could never say I'm one of his. I even had a person tell me that you know all the people that think they're his are going to be the ones that God says depart from me I never, I never knew you of yeah. iniquity, you know. No, no. Listen. Yeah, don't don't attack God's little people who are who are confessing Jesus Christ as their Savior. He says, if you confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father in heaven. Romans ten eleven. And so anyway, uh, this is a tremendous study on love. We're coming to the end of the hour. Now, I, I want to just uh, say a couple things before we complete, and then I'll have you uh, have any final thoughts you want to say. I want to thank uh, the guests that have come on, uh, guests uh, to join us tonight, and we're going to open up. Uh, if you want to have a time of fellowship, we can uh, after we close this call out. And um, I just want to say Absolutely. that That's, I am I am very we, thankful. Wouldn't that show our love for, for anybody that has something that wants to share? Yeah. Now I do want to. We would make, love to hear. That's from right. Anyone. Now I, I want to just say this, and I hope that this is taken in the right spirit of things. Uh, you know, we we cannot discuss in a public format. When I say a public format, I'll just I'll just call it Internet Church because that's what this is. We cannot have Internet Church without discussing biblical doctrine. And so we this is a forum for for men you know discussing biblical matters. This is not a forum for co-ed discussion about the biblical doctrine. This is no affront to women, but I do not believe it's biblical to have women joining men in biblical discussions in this format. So just so people know, so if you're if you are female, you're welcome to listen in uh, and so on. But uh you will be muted because I don't want contentions and strife going on in the in the chat. So I'm gonna go ahead and end the call. Hold on one second with me. <laughs> 